Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watch Tully, directed by Jason Reitman and released in 2018. The plot of Tully goes something like this. An exhausted mother of three hires a night nanny to help with her newborn. And as we usually do, we'll do a quick spoiler-free, should you see this movie bit, before we get into a spoilery discussion. Yes. Also, I thought this movie was going to be, like, harrowing, but it's not. It's Mm. funny and light and not harrowing. So if you're worried about the movie on that front, which was kind of what I was worried about, then don't be. It's a lot, a much easier watch than it sort of is made out to be, I think. Um, And, uh, yeah, definitely go see it. I think that they should nominate Charlize Theron for an an Oscar for this. She is so good in it. I honestly think she might be the best actress, like – of her, her generation. Age, yeah, yeah, of her generation working today. She's just amazing. Mm. Yeah, uh, I would echo that. I also worry that the people who need to see this the most won't get to see it. Yeah. Because they're new parents or they're young parents. And I know a lot of people, once they make the transition into parenthood, just don't go to the movies anymore. I was going to say because they're men. So. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's the other problem is that the husbands need to see this. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, the mothers will want to see this and probably a lot of them won't. I did. I saw a Facebook post that was, like, all mothers who'd had small children going, why would I go to, out to watch this when I can get this at home? Which is not the point of the movie at all. The point of the movie is actually bringing some real empathy and intelligence to that situation and showing what that's really like. And, yeah, the people who need to see it the most are actually not the mothers who are in the middle of it, but the people who are around them, particularly their male partners, but probably also, like, their friends and siblings and other people who support them. When did Juno come out? 2007. So that's, like, 11 years ago. I'm just thinking about, like, the age range of people who saw Juno and then well, and see then, this. But, all, but Juno, young adult, and this, which is the same team. So, like, Juno is all about, like accidentally getting pregnant and having to deal with that as a teenager and then young adult is Charlie's Theron again and it's all about that sort of time in your life be, like being in your 30s and not having children yet and not quite fully having worked out what you're doing with your life that sort of stuff it's about going through that phase and then this is a this is like another phase again and I understand between probably 2011 and now um, Diablo Cody is herself had three children and probably been through this life stage um, and so that's all, they're all about like very specific life stages and you can sort of grow up with the Cody Reitman movies. Also in my head, I think of Diablo Cody as Juno. Like that's well, her name that's, in my head. And I think of her as like us as well. Like I think of her as, you know, um, I think of her as, as that sort of young creative type. So where does Jennifer's body fit in with all of this? <laughs> well, that's that's also interesting. Have you seen Jennifer's Body? I haven't, but I must. I've I seen must. It. It's apparently a really good film. Mm, it could have been a really good film if they had cast a good actress in it. I know people are all like, don't hate on Megan Fox, but I'm sorry, she's still not a good actress. Right, right. Even if she's had problems in the industry and all the rest of it, like she's still not yeah. good. Well, I heard it's very good, well-written. It is, yeah. It's but, really, it's yeah. actually a lot more fun and a lot more interesting and it, it could have been a really kind of a cult mm. classic. It, I just... Yeah, think that the casting was wrong, but that's not this movie. But with regards to Tully, I'm so on your side. I put off seeing this because I thought, oh, this isn't for me. I'm not a mother yet. And also I've got some issues around that. And I'm sorry that I did. Mm. I would have, I mean, we, we, watched, we had so many other movies to watch. Yeah. But I'm so glad we watched this because it's not about what you think it's going to be about. And it's, uh, it's, re- it's just a really 
interesting and useful examination of a particular time in um, a lot of women's lives. Like the, um, I was reading something uh, just yesterday actually about um, some psychologists who've done some work around like the process of becoming a mother and they call it matrescence, like adolescence, but like the trans- transition, life transition into motherhood. And they actually take it seriously. Like it's a real life transition. People's lives really do change um, when they you know, like give birth to children, right? Um, and I, I'm saying mother here, obviously not only women give birth, but you know, that I'm using that as a, as a shorthand. But it was just this really interesting piece about how it's, it's kind of like this hero's journey transition of life. It's a really, really big thing for a really huge proportion of the population. And it's never really discussed. And like everything to do with reproductive health and and birth and raising small children, it's all very swept under the rug. It's considered to be something that's private and women's business and not like a real serious story. And it um and this piece, which is in the cut, which I'll link to in the show notes, was really sort of a night. It was just a really good companion to this film, when it talked about how that this is actually a very serious uh, change that you go through in your life. And um, that it's it's actually worth something that should be examined and um, and celebrated more in pop culture because it's not something that we ever sort of really uh, oh, talk and about. Empathize with it. Yeah, and that's but right. This is getting into more of the meat of the podcast. But, I think, but so. we, we yeah, I don't want I can't say any more because I don't want to go into too many spoilers. But just know that it's not what you think it is from the trailers. It's very good. Yeah, I mean it handle it still handles some. Um, big topics but it does it with a pretty light hand and it's not I I just it's everything around it seemed really like dark and dim yeah and that's not the experience of watching the movie at all yeah um I, I, not unlike like all the horror stories you hear about actually having a baby mm. um but everybody still does it and says oh no it's the best thing I ever did but they all they tell you is horrible stories about leaky boobs and bleeding nipples so like <laughs> i make milk sorry that was funny that, yeah funny oh, yeah this movie. movie is so full of good anyway sorry we should we'll spoiler warning down now we will start talking spoilers from now all right continue. i don't i don't know if that was really a spoiler no. i make milk that was that was one of my favorite parts also the, watch just the the visuals of that scene of watching Charlize Theron, who has obviously gained weight for the movie, and she's so tall, mm. running past this like tiny, skinny woman on the path was just really like I just really enjoyed that whole scene. Like it just sticks in my mind as one of my favorites from this movie. And not a lot happens in it. Mm. She just watches a younger, skinnier woman run past and gets jealous and tries to outrun her, and then yeah. <laughs> can't do it. And leaps. as a person who like is naturally the size that Charlize Theron is when she's gained fifty pounds. Like I and who goes to the gym? I felt that like in my bones. Yeah. Like oh god, but she's yeah. I I love that scene. That was so great. But she's also so much taller. I think is that yeah. Like she's just, be, yeah. She's tall as well as yeah. being big. And so just looking at them side by side was just it was. There's some really nice visuals in this mm. movie that I appreciate, and that was one of them. Um, like that it's kind of not overdone. Like mm. not not too obvious or in your face or anything, but it's a really nice subtle moment to show you how she's feeling visually in the scene, you know, and, well, and this woman's not, the other woman's not sweating or anything like that. And it's just, it's a really kind of neat, yeah, she, tight she, yeah. way of summing up, you know, a lot of Marlowe's issues. Yeah. It's very good. One, one thing this movie does really, really well is that it uh, lets, it has you empathize with Marlowe, um, but you don't have to come at it from the position of being Marlowe. Like it's it's really well designed. Like you can have been Marlowe and you can have felt what that feels like. Like I, I've never tried to had to be a new mother and the whole the whole like having a different body than the one you started out with thing. But I have you know been the bigger person 
running while the skinny people run past you, right? I know what that feels like. But you also, you don't have to be, yeah, you don't have to be Marlo to empathize with her in that situation. It's very clever at doing that. Well, I think our bodies just kind of fall apart anyway. But well, um, that, Yes. Oh, my God. They so do. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, wow, she's lucky she can still run. My hip doesn't let me run anymore. Yeah, no. I, I literally was, like, getting out of um, bed the other morning and I had to, like, take it in stages because my back hurt so much. So Yeah, um, no. I mean, every, yes, our human bodies do fall apart. And obviously um, men and people who don't have children, also their bodies fall apart. Uh, but I think it, it, the motherhood one is a very visceral one because it's, like, sudden and there's you know all it, it kind of there's all this baggage around it well the thing i like about marlo in this movie is how much she's humanized and how much she's still a person with a her own unique personality that isn't like completely absor- absorbed by having children like she's talking about how good mothers are the ones who like bake cupcakes that mm. look like minions and things like that but i'm like and i've seen it a lot on you know facebook and things like that Mm. where the person who existed before just stops existing and becomes like 24 7 mum yeah like all they ever post about is their kid and the things they've done for their kid and the things they've made for their kid and how their kid eats and how their kid plays and everything like that marlo is still a person and there's a point at which her brother says oh i just want my sister back because she doesn't seem like herself anymore but marlo's still very much kind of almost like rebelliously (laughs) is still herself and she mm. is in in interactions with her kids she says funny things to her kids that are sort of and it's like god damn it stop kicking the seat kind of stuff well not not so much that part but you know just the jokes that she makes with her oh, kids oh yeah they're great are like jokes that she would make yeah like she is still very much a a human person mm. rather than just a mother and she's concerned about her um her identity being swallowed up by being a mother as well mm. and but you we can all see from the beginning of the movie that that's not the case no and she'll make sarcastic jokes that other people don't get and be perfectly comfortable in their discomfort at mm. not understanding them and things like that which i think is great yeah no i i, I thought that was really well done as well and because it's something that is a real thing and the whole story of this movie and I can safely talk about it now that we're under the spoiler warning that's the whole point of the movie is that in order to like when you become a mother you do have to leave an older part of yourself behind but you you are still you Mm. like the um the whole metaphor about replacing a plank of a boat every year and you're sitting in the way your cells regenerate like I I liked that that I liked the way they did that I thought that was very well handled do you understand the mermaids? I think that was just like a fun uh, – because they knew they had to do the water thing at the end. They thought that might be just a fun thing to have. I mean, I think it's just that the, the Marlo, her, herself from 15 years ago – Tully. Uh, Tully, sorry, from Marlo from 15 years ago, is just such an alien creature that she may as well be a mermaid. And I think because mm. they had the water metaphor going, like when she her water breaks and when she pees herself and when she get out, gets out of the car – like I think they just they wanted to have Tully as like this ethereal, slightly angel creature. But why was the mermaid thing on TV? It's just the movie is weirdly obsessed with mermaids. That like I I didn't fully understand the metaphor there. The TV I think the TV stuff was about showing the massive disconnect between what you see, like what Tully sees in not Tully. Oh my god. Get the mixed up what Marlowe sees on TV in, in pop culture and entertainment and what her real life is like. And as she's gotten further and further into motherhood and into her world, she just doesn't see herself anymore. 
And right. so all that's on TV is like weird shit about gigolos that would never actually go to air. And <laughs> like the mermaid cove show which looks like a real show but and it seemed to have yeah. olivia munn in it but i don't know if it was a real show or not um i i don't i don't know but the, the gigolo show like the first that's gigolo not a real show I'm, I'm sure that first gigolo was a comedian that i recognize probably as well. but like because he he looked and sounded so familiar to me mm. but um the the gigolo show like was really funny right and yeah, that was yeah, a funny through line but the mermaid show was only on TV for a few seconds, and she wasn't even watching it. She no, was, was it like playing on her or something. No, she was playing on her phone, and her, I think her husband was asleep in the hospital, and mm. that was playing on the TV. Right. Well, she was. It was while she was in. Uh, she was I know. After she'd given birth. No, no, no. It was. It was while she was. It was like there's a couple of things that happen while she's in labor, and they're mm. just waiting around for the baby to come. Yeah. And she plays on her phone, and he watches this. Uh, well, he falls asleep in front of a TV. It's terrible. That mermaid yeah. thing. But yeah. Mm. I don't know, but that that guy just reminded me of a comedian. Like yeah, no, he probably like it, it probably is. Um, um but yeah, uh, the um, I just was kind of like because I thought it would be a a clue to something or a, have a <laughs> meaning, yeah, or come up at some point. You know, I mm. just uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I was expecting more out of it than we got because I was just kept being like, I knew she wasn't, but I kept being like, Tully's a mermaid. Um, at nighttime, she grows legs and looks after the kids. I knew that yeah. wasn't the case, but it seemed like that's where they were going. With it. It yeah. was so heavy-handed with the with the mermaid stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. that's not, and I thought maybe you had better insight. I, I into just it think than it me. was just it's it's it was a useful way to describe her as an alien creature. Okay, um, that's, that was my um, take on it. She kind of still was. I mean, maybe this is how Marlo remembers herself being at that age, but she still isn't a person. Like, I don't mm. know any people who would act like that 24-7. Which like, is why, yeah, you know, that it, it, very early on it becomes apparent that things are not as they seem with those two. That yeah. she's not, this isn't a real, yeah, thing. There was a, there was a point at which I was like, well, I don't think she's, yeah, yeah we both kind of figured out that she wasn't, mm. um, well, I she was I, a projection. yeah sort of around the same yeah. time well and i think early on i was like she's definitely homeless and i um i think yeah I we just she it was, really but... early on it was just obvious that something wasn't right and then also she comes in every time she comes in she's less pulled less together like uh, and more like yeah losing it which is you just i don't know it was just obvious to me people have talked about this movie having like a twist ending but i don't think it's a twist at all i think it's just a, this like realization um i think it well, it is a twist in the sense of what a twist ending is. In the is. traditional sense, yes. I suppose. But, like, yeah, if you're paying attention, it's you not a shock. S- no. Um, and I just thought as a metaphor it was extremely elegant. Like, the actual physical having your younger self around um, to talk to while you're um, in, while you're going through this big life change and you're, trying yeah. to, and you're coming to terms with it as well. Because I think there's that, that sort of... I don't think it's a mis- it's a like accidental that it's her third kid. Like there's a sort of she's really really deeply into it. She's got, you know, the kids are at school, one of them has has special needs and like she's very much mum now and that is something that she's both wrestling with and of course by the end she realizes that's what she wanted all along anyway. Yeah, I found it odd that the Jonas stuff where they were like, "Oh, we don't know what he has." And I was like, I mean, sure, that's fine, like, if they don't have a diagnosis and whatever, but that kid clearly had autism. I mean, I think the point was that when you're in the middle of getting a diagnosis, there's, it, there are probably times when 
you getting different advice from different people and yeah. there are there are there are things as well that aren't autism like developmental delays and um sensory processing issues the way that they were playing it he didn't make eye contact he had um didn't like being out of routine his like the the way that that Mm. that he was described in that movie yeah even before they talked about all of that i was like oh the brushing thing is like and well and him not making contact while they do eye contact while they do that that's autism well, right. I just saw like, the brushing thing. I was like, what the hell is that? Oh, that, um, yeah, that made total sense to me. I was just like, as I've soon as he did it, they did it. I was like, never, oh, she has an autistic son. I just, I was like, does he have a skin disorder that he needs? Anyway, I, like it was obvious that he, he had some kind of special needs. But um, yeah, I think it was, I just really, I really liked the very sort of gentle way that um, she came to the realization of this is what I, this is what I wanted all along kind of thing. And it was, but it was a really nice sort of, Oh, I don't know. It was just very humanizing. You know, like she's still a f- fully uh, – th- she's a fully articulated person. She's not mommy. Like there's a point at which she's like nobody wants to fuck mommy. And like even she has done the thing where she's divided the world into mummies and women. Mm. And I, I do that. I know I do that. In fact, like that whole thing where you so – when especially the, when you see it on Facebook, if, when you just lose your friends, they just – they have a baby and then they're suddenly – you know, preschool mom, and well, you like different, but there are different people. But I mean, there no, I know, I know, but it, it, there is almost inevitably, it's not as simple as that. The world yeah. isn't divided into mothers and people, like, yeah. and and it's a re- it, it, this does it in a really humanizing and and gentle way, but it's also very impactful. Yeah, I mean, I what I was saying before is like, I I've watched lots of different people have kids, and and you can there's there's huge differences. Like some mm. people just talk become people who only talk about their kids and that's fine but it makes it very hard to still connect with them because like they Mm. are only talking about experiences that you don't have Mm. right and maybe that is their whole world now and and alienating yeah and um but then there are some people who are still like have their own personality and have not really like who, who still kind of interact in a way that you know, it's still like the person who didn't before they had yeah. kids. But then every so often it's also like, and I have kids. Or even a lot of the time it's also, and I have kids. And the kids were also involved in this thing or whatever. Yeah. Rather than just being like, you know, people just post things about their kids. Yeah, I know. And nothing else. I know. And it's- um, and yeah. And I think, but the, the other one thing that I really liked about this movie is because of the, just, it's so funny, but you see the the good side. It's not just about this is a really hard job and nobody appreciates me. It's also you see like the fun that they have together with their kids. The scene at the end in the hospital with Ron Livingston where He was so good in that scene. He, oh I cried. Yeah. I was I had to sit through the credits because I was having a little moment. But it was he's so good. You see why they are together. There's because there's also this tendency of like when you when women become mothers there's a whole lot of other tropes about them being nags and like husband is still the fun guy, but his wife is now the nag. And it's not, it's not like that. He, um, they've fallen into these gendered roles because it's really hard not to, because society is set up to, to make you fall into gendered roles and to make you behave a certain way. But he doesn't want to do that. He loves his wife. He loves his kids and he wants his wife to be safe and happy just as much as he wants his kids to be happy. And it, it's that, that realization in the hospital at the end is really well done. Um, I, I said, oh. Um, but there's a bit earlier in the movie, actually, that I thought another scene that I thought was really interesting um, was when they were at the party for the, the brother's kid. Mm. And, um, 
and um, the Marlo starts singing with her daughter, which I thought was very sweet. Yeah, and but, again, a very real kid moment as yes, well, like a fun moment. It was. But Ron Livingston, I think at that point, Drew is his character's name. I think he's trying to tell them that something's wrong. Mm. Like there's a moment when he's trying to reach out to the brother-in-law that he hates. Yeah. And the brother-in-law just kind of brushes him off and he doesn't kind of know what to say. So he just kind of watches it happen mm. um, that I thought was very interesting and a really good moment. I mean, Ron Livingston's so great. He's um, so good. God, he's good. He is. He and Kyle Chandler are both great. Mm. <laughs> the other person that I mixed I'm, up with I'm all so the time. sad that this movie hasn't gotten more attention in terms of like awards thinking because it's good. Well, it. It, yeah, it reminds me of like, you remember when we saw Big Eyes and it was so great? Oh, yeah. And nobody paid any attention yeah. to that either. Yeah. Um, and this, I think people are just kind of writing it off as like a lady movie. Yep. It's, oh, this is a women's. They're exactly the way that like all of the stuff around childbirth and it, it, child rearing in the very early days is all written off as women's business and reproductive health in general um, is just written off as women's business, doesn't need to be taken seriously. And the movie is, is suffering from the same issue. They're just like, oh, it's it's a it's a girl movie. It's a lady movie. Send your, send your, give your wife the morning off and she can go and watch it. Jackie too was a bit like that. Yeah, a bit It was like written that. off by as a lady movie. Um, and, and really like um, it's the dudes that need to see it. Tully. Or Jackie. Tully. Or, Tully. Oh, yeah. Jackie. Anyone can see Jackie. But Tully. The It is. And especially to, I think, just like see how much she's dealing with and how she's expected to deal with it all with a smile and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, the husband is kind of not putting enough effort in. and, and Yeah. I think there's also, there's no equivalent to this for men. Like in men's adulthood, men become fathers all the time and some men don't you know, and, and people form families in other ways and not all, you know, people who are the non-birth parent are fathers, of course. But women, when women become mothers, it's like, as we were talking about at the start, it's a developmental thing. It's like a whole, like, thing that changes your body and is culturally this huge, huge thing. And and it's often where society thinks you're an adult is when you've had children. And it, men don't have that same, I don't think, pressure. I would say that in terms of at least movies about men and things like that, I would think that the equivalent is all those movies where a man suddenly finds himself the only parent of a child because his wife dies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which and is, then suddenly in real life is quite rare. Usually there's a woman to support. Them. Right, but of course it's more common in movies because more movies are about men. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of um, wives die in movies to further a man's story, <laughs> wives and mothers. Well, I think that in this particular case it's less about that and more about like – that kind of concept of men being babysitters and not being the parent and then suddenly having to deal with, like, being the parent. Oh, my and, God. Like, I think it's about, like, the men who's writing their fears mm. about, you know, yeah. what might happen if their wife died. Yeah. Um, which I also think because I listened to a writer's podcast once that very clearly stated that, that a lot of that stuff is, yeah. like, well, you know, it was talking a little bit about this idea that the writer had had for a TV show and he realized that he kind of fridged the wife and then he was like, but the reason that I wrote it is because I wanted to write about my greatest fear, which is my wife dying. Yeah. Um, which is why all these things come about is because most writers are men. Yeah. Um, and they are writing about their fears and their experiences and things. And there's fewer women getting hired to write about their experiences, like in Tully, which would be really, really nice because this is a really interesting, unique movie. And it's something I care very, very deeply about. I've... I'm constantly trying to figure out 
everyone who becomes a mother and um says oh it's life-changing nobody tells you how life-changing it is but literally i've heard it a thousand times right how life-changing it is how everything's different afterwards and i don't understand why and i've never had anyone explain it to me and this is the first one of the few things in pop culture that or even when people who have become mothers try and explain it to you it's just one of the first ones that's actually really given it a red hot go Mm. um, at what that change that life change is like um but just going back just a little bit. There's a scene in we're in the hospital where Ron Livingston is talking to the psychiatrist, and he says, "Oh, she'd never leave the house without telling me. No, with no one watching the kids." Mm. And the psychiatrist's like, "Weren't you there?" And he's like, "Oh, right." Like he just completely abdicated himself of the, like watching the kids is not really his job. He's the babysitter. Even it, like his three kids in, and eight or nine years into it. You'd think he might be a little bit more used to the idea that they're his kids too. But, and it was also very clear, like they talk about the division of labor as well, like how he go, he goes to work and then he comes home and he does homework, he does books, they they make lunches together. He And so compared to like his father's generation, he is actively parenting. But compared to what his wife is doing, he's nothing. He's just barely touching the sides of the the job of the, of parenthood. Right. And there's this whole big plot point about how he doesn't wake up. Mm. Ever. He doesn't wake up to any of the sounds. He doesn't wake up to the baby crying. He doesn't wake up. And so, like, he, you know, but then also he has to go to work during the day. Like, you wouldn't be able to function if you're up all night. No, you can't. And this is why people fall into these gendered roles because women go off on maternity leave and often for quite a long time while the um, because of, you know, capitalism and all the rest of it, someone has to keep bringing in the money for the family right and so it's usually the men and so they're out at work and so they need to sleep because they need to work and that's you know that's fair enough but then all the the active in middle of the night child rearing stuff falls onto mum that's why we need that that those scandinavian paid parent uh, parental leave laws everywhere where yeah or you can hand off parental leave to each other and all that sort of thing well, no well um that in i think it's in some scandinavian countries that yeah the, you both have to take a certain amount yeah, yeah. no i mean like yeah, so what ends up happening is that, like, the women take their bit and then the dads take their bit. And so, like, each parent actually gets some time on their own, like, doing the baby thing, or doing the kid thing every day. Um, and it's, yeah, we that is exactly why we need that stuff. And also things like universal basic income and, and that sort of stuff where people are not uh, feeling so pressured just that they must kind of, that they've got you new know, mortgages to pay and school fees and all the rest of it that they just can't afford. One of my most favorite things in this whole movie which i think you will probably guess fairly easily is when they switch schools and they go to the new school yeah and there's um like and and jonah has uh, an episode because the toilet flush mm. is loud and he doesn't like the sound yeah and, and um marlo is so used to apologizing all the time and she apologizes to this teacher and the teacher just like handles it and does like a little coping mechanism and then at the end of it he says you don't have to apologize because you didn't do anything wrong and he's really nice to Jonah and this is at like a public school that clearly looks a lot rougher than yeah. the like private school they were at before and here's this teacher who's really great and I was like yeah <laughs> yeah because like it shows that you know not only private schools are good like you, you know and and um there are teachers trying really hard at public schools as well yeah and, and probably at public they- school they'll pay for his um teacher's aid as well because yeah. um and yeah it, it was really interesting actually the, it, it, to think about the economics of this for a minute because obviously the brother and his wife are extremely wealthy and so they have things like nannies and um fancy houses and they, they separate they can separate themselves out from their kids whenever they want um 
you are, and you can see that they're financially, you know, they're just coping. They don't have enough money to pay for therapy anymore. Marlo and Drew. Marlo and Drew. Yes, yeah, sorry. See for, that. Um, yeah, our main couple are, are sort of just just getting by. Like they're they're very much in a more normal situation. But the thing is, switching from private school to public school is probably a massive help for them because they no longer have to deal with those stupid fees. Plus, they get a better place for Juno. Yeah, and there's this expectation that the private school is better. Mm. Um, And it's not. And they're working so hard to maintain that private schooling because of the expectation that it is better. Yeah, that, oh, he's got special needs, it's better to pay more money. And it turns out that it's not. Yeah. um, Well, no, it's not so much that because they, they, like, they called in a favour, right? The brother called in a favour to get... To get them into the school, but I'm presuming they still have to pay the fees. No, I know, but I meant more... um, that about that you were talking about him having disabilities, so the oh. private school. I don't think it's like mm. yeah, it's awful actually. It's the way more, the private school does like doesn't even want to have him because he has a disability. That's horrifying. very common, right? Because they will like kids. So they dis- can reject people in yeah. a way that public schools can't. And the kids with with disabilities will um like negatively affect test scores and things like that. That they want to show that they're doing really well. And I mean, mm. I've seen it a lot of times. Um, and parents are expected then to fork out more and more money for private tutors and private aides and all that sort mm. of stuff. Um, in Australia, we you wouldn't pay for the aid even in a public school, a, a private school though, because okay. um, you would apply anyway. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I we, won't get into all of the details of stuff that I no, know. About but it's still stuff, but. It, it, there is like this like the horrors of capitalism are part of this mm. running underneath. It's not just the horrors of capitalism. I think it's just this this kind of. These these very ingrained beliefs about school and teachers and things mm. that are really negative that I and and, and what um we've a mainstream it. school should look like as well like you know what what um what's disruptive and what what behaviours are considered a trouble and all that sort of thing yeah anyway um the um I just found that really interesting and really nice that she had this moment that like she realised that. Jonah, the, the way that the other school was treating him was as a burden all the time yeah. and she didn't want to treat him that way and she was getting really frustrated with it but everybody mm. kept talking about him that way and she kind of internalized some of that and then she went to this new school and she was like oh it doesn't have to be that way yeah and this isn't like this isn't the special needs teacher or a teacher's aide or anything he's just a teacher wandering in the halls and you yeah. know he knows what to do he recognizes that the, um, the behavior and he's like oh, this is what we do. We have this moment and we deal with it this way. Yeah. And he's completely chill. He's completely like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Yeah. And he likes the kid. Yeah, yeah, that's which right. Which is nice, you know. That's And most teachers like children because that's why, why they, why they wouldn't teachers. do the job. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I just thought that was interesting and really nice. I mm. thought that was a really great moment. And I'm sure that anybody who, you know, knows me at all would realize that, that was one of my favorite moments in the movie. Mm. But um, it was, it's just really nice to see that, you know, I, I like it when they don't demonize teachers yeah. in movies because they had very much been demonizing them up until that point. Yeah, yeah. Also, speaking of real work life, um, I love that both Marlo and Drew have terribly boring, ordinary mm. people jobs. Yeah. Like, because I have one of those kind of jobs where I'm like, that one of them's in HR and one of them like makes corporate systems for blah and I'm like oh god I have one of those boring jobs that you can't explain to anybody and they you know <laughs> that that delighted me as well they they really felt very normal and relatable they, I think a lot of effort went into making it that way like there's apparent there seems to be a family credited at the end who may have been consultants on this obviously um obviously it's written by someone who also has three children but um Diablo Cody's in a you know in creative profession and all that kind of thing into different very different from um, like 
what it's like for ordinary folks. And I thought that it did a really good job of making it feel ordinary without having to like descend into, you know, life is so hard, poverty porn, all that kind of thing. It just recognised them as real people. And there's they've put a lot of effort into doing that. Yeah. So I've been talking about a lot about all the other stuff in this movie, but like for some reason Mackenzie Davis just doesn't really do anything for me. She's always, she's very that girl, isn't she? She shows up in things and you're like, I know that girl. Where is she from? And then like she goes away again and you forget that she ever existed and then you see her again in something, you're like, Oh that girl And she's always a gorgeously pretty and like um very sapphic. Every time I see her, she's like, there's huge chemistry between her, her and whatever actress she's working with. But, um, uh, yeah, she is very, like, that girl. Yeah, literally, for my, in my case, because I don't remember her from one movie to the next. Like, I will see her again. I'm like, oh, she looks familiar and not remember what else she was in. Mm. And I had the exact same experience this time. I was like, oh, she looks familiar. But I just don't think she, like, especially acting opposite Charlize Theron, so who is so good. good. The lines that come out of her mouth seem fake. Mm. Like she doesn't really and I know she's not really there and everything, and maybe that was on purpose, but it just doesn't she doesn't ever kind of Yeah, she's like the manic, manic Pixie Dream Girl taken to like an extreme level. Well, because people always accuse um Zoe Deschanel. It's like she's the as she's being yeah, the, the Ua. <laughs> the archetype of, yeah. of Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which isn't fair because it was actually Natalie Portman first in um, in Garden State, but I digress. Um, but the thing about Zoe Deschanel is that that just seems like it's who she is. And there's mm. part of New Girl where she says, um, yes, I've touched glitter today, but I'm still a real person who has real feelings and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know, they people have created this negative view of what the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is when really it's supposed to be more like that movie that I haven't seen with um, Zoe Kazan in it, where it's like a guy's ideal version of... Oh, 500 Days of Summer. Is that what you're talking about? No, that's... No. Um, I, well, actually, it's more like 500 Days of Summer, yes. Mm. I was thinking of um, the one where he actually creates her out of the pages of the... Oh, right. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't seen that either. Yeah, I have. I really want to. <laughs> it's her and... Um, I was going to be like, you know, the guy without a chin. <laughs> the He was the the priest in There Will Be Blood... Um, oh, Paul Dano? Yeah, her, Paul Dano. Oh, her husband. So he, he, they're married in real life. Are they? Yeah. You you say that. You always go, oh, her husband. And I'm, you know I don't know. I, I know, but I just I thought it would be interesting to the listeners. They're actually married. It's very cute. It is. That is interesting. But yeah. Um, you always look at me like, you know, you should know this. I'm like, I, don't, I never Ruby know Sparks. Is Ruby that, Sparks. Yeah. I really want to see that. Um, but yeah, very much like 500 Days of Summer, actually, mm. where people always blame Summer. But it's not her fault that she was like she was very upfront that she wasn't interested in everything. Mm. But I think this movie is actually that trope of the manic pixie dream girl that was literally thought to life. Yeah, again. Yeah, that's right. It, and and some of I think it is very deliberate, and it is it's almost a deliberate piece of casting that you cast this actress who is so kind of almost not real. I thought it was just because she looked like Charlize Theron. I mean, there is that aspect as well. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> There's certain moments when, like, their nose and mouth mm. and everything look very, very similar. Yeah, yeah. Especially, um, like, when they're shot in the car as well. Yeah. That's very cool. But, yeah, um, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing, I think that the real people who are, like, strange and quirky and unusual and cute get pinned with this, like, they get this label pinned on them. Mm. But that's who, like, I think that's who Zoe Deschanel is. Yeah. Like, she is quirky mm. and cute. 
And also when she cuts the bangs and takes the, the glasses off, she just becomes Katy Perry. So, mm. um, yeah, that's right. you know, she needs the cute, the quirkiness to set her aside. Um, right. And but, um, um, Mackenzie Davis, yeah, like she kind of has that sort of ethereal quality about her. She that, does, but she also doesn't – I just don't know that she's a great actress, to be honest, especially watching her opposite Charlize Theron. Oh, especially when you – Ron Livingston, who I would not have known – this but he stepped up yeah like this is office space man who is great and a great comic actor he stepped up when he was put opposite Charlize Theron in this yeah. he's so good yeah and um well I think he's just generally an actor who's sort of shaped by the people around him a little bit mm. and Charlize Theron is is just like she's so magnetic she can be funny and she can be human she can be all these things all at the same time mm. in ways and she can you know make a scene both comedic and dramatic at the same time so that you're laughing but also really feeling for her um yeah she's not self-conscious she can do so many different things like you put this next to you know snow queen mm. um or, or white queen oh, or yeah. whoever put she your is. shoulders back and think murder yeah that exactly is what i was thinking of but yeah, yeah you put those two or like this next to furiosa or something yeah. you know and she's so god she's good she's versatile and she's just brilliant and then you put her next to mackenzie davis mackenzie davis is just kind of cute and there mm. like she doesn't have a lot of weight to her no um no i mean half the time i just forget she was in this movie and the movie's named after her character mm. like all the stuff that i find interesting is the other stuff yeah absolutely and, I, and um charlie's thrown as well like oftentimes when an actor like puts on weight for a role they're like oh yes this is a their oscar film but doesn't this film feels like that was the right thing to do because it was only by doing that that she's sort of really able to show – it really shows that physical journey that that women feel like. like even when in, in a lot of cases women are like, my body has changed and you're like, you're still wearing size 12. I cannot tell the difference between you men and now. But to them, when you know your own body, I think it's different. But you really physically see it. And then there's this scene at the table where the kid spills a drink on her and she takes I her top off too. and the, the daughter goes – mommy what's wrong with your body yeah <laughs> and she just and it's all in a look it's a bit like the scene where they're going to the soccer game and um ron livingston says something like oh i must have slept through that and she just she has a line but she just looks over at him and it's all in that look She's and everybody like, laughed and the English. whole audience yeah. which is all women of course laughed yeah um which was a great moment and and like it's that one was kind of i like the kind of it, very realistic affectionate acknowledgement of his flaws mm. or each other's flaws and things like that um i also liked that this movie doesn't demonize mental illness it's like mm. you know it the acceptance of it at the end is very much like he doesn't get upset with her about it nobody's like scared of the mental illness or anything they just kind of move forward and deal well, with he, it it's also so much of a thing that he's like oh no oh wait wait she had postnatal depression with the second kid like mm. it takes him a minute to ever think of her as someone who has a mental illness Mm. Which um yeah he's just like oh this is how it is kind of thing. he's very takes in his stride um I like that it doesn't actually it doesn't demonize him either mm. like it's actually very um yeah it, it sort of shows that there is a lot of, there are a lot of things he should and could be doing better but it also kind of shows that the world is just not is set up for him to have it easy and for him to default to not doing things so I think that was interesting it's not just that, that that's the world the way the world is set up though because. I mean, there's a point at which he's like, oh, I thought you were doing so great. And the thing is, she keeps telling him she is mm. as well. Like, she keeps saying, oh, no, it'll be fine. You she can cleans, go away. You yeah, can do she cleans all this. the house and she do 
does all this crap in the night when she's not sleeping. Mm. Um, and so to him, and then she puts on makeup as well. So that, that was a bit about um, like girls don't heal. We're all covered in concealer line. And that's it's she puts on concealer. So she looks like she slept or she puts on some eyeliner. So it looks like, you know. Um, yeah. And those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, so she's covering it up a lot. Yeah, and so he's like, well, okay, I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie is really not so much taking aim at its characters so much as, like, the whole structure of the nuclear family mm. in our society and in our culture and the way that we are set up to um, to dismiss experiences like Marlowe's mm. um, and to demonize them and to, like you know, she should just be able to handle all of this and be a good mother. And, the, and, and she if should you ask don't, him then, for help. She should, yeah. Yeah, and if you don't, stuff. then you're a bad person. Whereas mm. this makes it so much from her perspective and her point of view that you just empathize with all of those things. And it's really nice and to you can, see a movie like yeah, that. And you just know she's so tired. She doesn't have any extra energy to do anything. Yeah. The tagline for this movie is see how the mother half lives. And I really like that. And That's I great. think that that gets to the point of the, you know, that of everything we've just be, talked about, yeah, that people who are not new mothers should see this movie and be more understanding of that. Sort yeah. Of, you know, the things that they're going through and all that sort of stuff. And yes. I really, really wish that yeah, the people who need to see this the most would see it. Yeah. Still not a huge fan of the music choices for the most part, like those hipstery music choices, but it was so nice to hear the whole of Cindy Lauper's album. Which, what's that album called? Oh, I should know I have a t-shirt with it on We it. literally went to a concert we, where she yeah. performed that album. Um, but, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. And it plays through the, nearly the whole thing. Like you hear all the way, yeah, the whole drive to, um, yeah. Yeah, um, to, to New York City. Um, I That was great. I actually thought the hipster music choices worked fine for you know, Tully's life in mm. Bushwick and young hipster, like all of her outfits, which are very much, um, they're, they're very much in fashion today, but they're also very nineties, which when, um, Charlie's their own character would have been young. Mm. So I, I feel like that works for her and the way she sort of comes in. And then, yeah, that whole Cindy Lauper album is just spot on. And also it's very, that's a very like mother's experience of like, she's actually gets, however many hours in the car all by herself to put on her own music and do her like be exactly herself without any children, without anyone kicking her seat, without having to go to the car park at the school and all that kind of stuff. She actually just gets to drive and enjoy herself and not have to be mum for those minutes. Yeah. And there's also some, I mean, the things that Tully says about motherhood are really interesting and understanding and like really kind of turn around Marlo's experience of it mm. like the things that she's forgotten about being a mother it, it seems like you know that yeah and the things that Tully at her age is really looking forward to stability and a partner and mm. like um and kids and th that the the real value in that I would that I, I think that was that also got me a little bit teary because I get a bit like that I'm like why isn't my life more fun it's boring but like the boring is what you want it's what you work for yeah, and it's the the good. It's a good environment to raise the kids in right. because they're so they feel that, so safe that yeah. they can run off and have their adventures, and then eventually they'll get boring too. And that's how it should be. Um, and it's either that was if, really if nice. That's what like if want, that's what yes. you want, but she's like, you made every single one of your dreams come true, and so which is like the uh, motherhood in particular because it's so hard, such hard work in its initial stages, and sometimes in its later stages, I've heard. Um, is one of those things where you people often focus on how hard it is and not how much they wanted it. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other shots that I really liked as well. Like when she, you know how the, the kitchen has two levels? Yes. And like there's a couple of shots where she walks into the kitchen mm. and the kid's sitting above her. Yeah. And she walks in and it's all clean. Yeah. And she's like in the front of the frame, but she's suddenly small. Mm. Um, in this whole experience and things like that. I, I don't know. I, I thought this was shot really nicely. Mm. Um, you got a really set, real sense of how the house worked. Yeah. Um, because, of course, you know, as a new mother, she's kind of stuck there a lot. Mm. And you, you get a yeah, real the, sense of how it fits and how it, yeah, how it all goes together. Um, we really kind of, even though we do leave the house a few times, we really kind of don't feel free of it until they go to New York for the night. Mm. Yeah, um, and then it's it's like a totally different world. Yeah, um, and I think it's shot differently too. Like it's really warm colors and all that sort of stuff at home, and then when they go into New York, it's all blues um, and yeah, very nighttime. Yeah, of. and and harsher lighting and all that sort of mm. stuff, which was really interesting to me. Um, like that that she kind of was craving this experience, but then when she goes to it, it's really harsh and unpleasant and mm. painful and stuff. Yeah, and she'd forgotten. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think this is such a good movie. I did too. I just I just thought it was fantastic. It's one of my favorite movies of this year so far. Mm. Um and um I wish pe- more people would go see it. Yeah. But I don't think they will and I wish that yeah, they would nominate Charlie's Theron for this, but I don't think they will. Mm. I mean, I know she's already won for Monster and everything and Monster was great, but mm. I mean, really great. She's really great in that movie, don't get me wrong. But like this is so much more like relatable and intimate because Monster was a serial killer. Right. This is I hard. This Oscar. is really hard work because Charlize Theron, I think, is a mother herself, but her children are adopted, so she hasn't been through the physical motherhood stuff. But she, it's like a harder, um, it's harder to play a more a real person kind of thing. Like obviously, she's not a real person in that she's not an actual person from life. <laughs> and Eileen Wernos is. <laughs> yeah, but this is, um, this is a person that, like we said, a huge portion of people like get pregnant and give birth to children and have children and raise children like it's a really common experience and so you have to be particularly alert to the subtleties of it and the reality of it and also not like making that person very very human mm. uh, so it's a, it's a really tough job yeah she's and like we said it's doing something that is even though it's extremely common in life is extremely uncommon on screen and she gets to do, you know, her Charlie's Theron thing for a minute where she acts under lots of bruises. <laughs> like yeah. Her eyes are really blue in the middle of like really black eyes while she uh, emotes at somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The, the typical Charlie's Theron thing is also in this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie with her in it where, where she, she doesn't, doesn't do that at some point. And also have a physical transformation, like, uh, you know, get muscles or gain weight or like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen young adults. No, I haven't. Either. I might now, but it, that also seems kind of yeah. That's another one, which where, is not my favorite thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I might give it a go though, because yeah, a lot of the same people complaining about Young Adult also complain about this movie, and like they're like, oh, it wasn't quite what I was expecting, and um, yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's more the kind of yeah the nihilism aspect mm. of Young Adult that puts me off because I hate that sort of thing. But yeah, I thought this was great. I will watch it and I'll let you know. Okay. Um, yeah, should we rate it? Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm gonna give it four and a half stars. Mm. I want to go all out and give it five stars. I mean, like I know it's not perfect, but I just loved it. I think, it <laughs> but could... I think I have to. I think I have to go with four and a half because, like, just to kind of, yeah, 
I think it's four and a half, but it, I did love it. I did love this movie. I think if Mackenzie Davis had been better, it would have worked better for me. Because mm. the thing that doesn't work for me is what the movie's named after. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that I found the least compelling. Mm. Is that part of the movie? Yeah, no, and I think, I think that is partly because of Mackenzie Davis being cast in that role and her just not yeah. really being as yeah. I, 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 and as I'm also be. cognizant. My last, my other favorite movie of the year, which is Professor Marston. I also only gave four and a half to for it. It wasn't quite. There were some bits that were a bit not right, but um, yeah, no, oh, four yeah. and a half definitely. This is great. Um, yeah, my my other favorite I think of this year is probably Game Night. I loved. Game oh, Night. Game Night was lovely. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, my favorite and. You know, Black Panther mm. was another favorite yep. one this year. Yep. But yeah, um, not as good as last year. It's definitely. only June, but you know, yeah, the, not certainly not. The, yeah, I don't think this movie this year has been as good for movies as last year. Anyway, but mm. okay. even by June, because mm. I mean, last year we'd seen Moonlight by June, so we saw Moonlight in January. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but a lot of other there'd been a lot of good movies by June. I think mm. last year was just amazing. Kong Skull Island was out by June last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway. Moving on. Um, I guess I'll wrap up. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, and Tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.